Win at Work and Life with Nikki Bush is the podcast where you and I explore what it means to win at both work and life. Today, you get to choose how to create a life of meaning and self-expression that includes both your work and life outside the office with your family. In this episode, I'll be talking to Craig Wilkinson, the dad coach, about the important role fathers play in their child's development. Craig is a best-selling author of Dad, How to Be the Father Your Children Need, an award-winning social entrepreneur, and a sought-after inspirational speaker. Craig and I have shared the speaking platform, and I know how passionate he is about equipping men to be great fathers and leaders. He works tirelessly in the nonprofit sectors of experiential education and socioeconomic development. Craig, welcome to Win at Work and Life with Nikki Bush, as we dedicate this episode to all the amazing fathers out there, with Father's Day coming up soon. First up, you are the founder of an NPO called Father a Nation. Can you tell our listeners what that is all about and what led you to starting it up? Thanks, Nikki. Great to be here with you. And uh, as you said, you've shared the platform, so I know your passion as well uh, for developing people and just the broad range of stuff you've done uh, in the last few years. Um, yeah, and Father Nation was started about uh, when are we? Um, eight years back. Uh, I was doing a lot of work in communities around uh, economic development, uh, enterprise development, you know, dealing with poverty. And we began to realize that that's a huge issue, poverty, but uh, an equally big and maybe even bigger issue is the issue of fatherlessness. And we just began to see the, the, the huge impact that uh, absent fathers uh, had on communities. You know, South Africa's um, in the unenviable position of, of having up to upwards of 60% of uh, households are growing up without a father, boys and girls. And the, the, the impact is huge. And so we, um, I, I was a single dad for many years as well. And also in my personal journey saw just the huge impact that uh, fathers had and the lack of fatherhood had on, on kids. A lot of my kids' friends used to come to, to my house and call me pops you know, because uh, there was just not enough dads in the community, uh, sadly, uh, and just really began to see the impact. And so we, we started Father Nation with a view that if we can heal men, we can heal the world. And, and I firmly believe that. If we can restore men to be good role models, mentors, fathers, we can absolutely deal with 90% of the ills that we, we see in society. So Father Nation is an NPO, and we do a lot of work in communities around South Africa. Um, one of our biggest projects is the No Excuse Campaign, uh, which is funded by Carling Black Label, uh, which is really there to mitigate the, the harmful effects of, of alcohol. You know, the, just to say that alcohol is an excuse for abuse is absolutely wrong. There's no excuse ever for abuse. So we do a lot of work in the area of gender-based violence, um, just teaching men how to be good men, uh, and that there is never, ever an excuse for abuse of any kind. Mm. Craig's, I love that. Heal, heal men and you can heal the world. You've got some other initiatives as well. Talk to us about the barbershop and the bands of brothers. You're working in corporates in, in that scenario. Yeah, that's very exciting. You know, Nikki, I mean, you'll know that masculinity has had such a bad rap over the last years. It really has. I mean, a recent survey in the United Kingdom uh, by YouGov, you probably know, a very reputable uh, research organization, they asked men of all different ages, uh, is masculinity a good thing or is it a bad thing? Is it positive or negative? And in the younger age category, 18 to 24-year-old boys or men, 42% uh, of them came back and said that masculinity is a bad thing. Wow. That's, that's catastrophic. It's catastrophic. I mean, if, you, if, we, if I believe that I'm bad simply because I'm a man, um, how am I going to pitch up? You know, how am I going to pitch up to the world? Uh, it's, a, it's a terrible, terrible thing. And so many boys are growing up with that kind of, I'm on the back foot as a man. 
Uh, you know, we've had the, the, the hashtag men are trash. We've had the toxic masculinity. Uh, and there's a reason for that, but, uh, but it's not the default position. True masculinity is a, a powerful, wonderful, beautiful gift to humanity. It really, truly is. And we need to come from that standpoint. And uh, so the barbershops um, are, are part of the, the he for she campaign in corporates. You know, there's that whole drive towards gender uh, equality in the workplace. Uh, and really what it does is it, is it engages men in, uh, in deep and honest and real conversations about what does it mean to be a man? And we come from the standpoint that says, you know, true masculinity is a powerful gift. It's a wonderful gift. And how do we pitch up and become a gift to humanity? So I, I, I've developed a course, which we're actually launching on Tuesday, called the Six Pack of Masculine Virtues. Oh, uh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are playing on the, on the Six Pack, the ads and, and the, you know, the drink. But it's the, the six virtues that every man uh, should have to be a, a powerful force for good to humanity. So that's the kind of work we do with corporates. You know, we, we run these things called Bands of Brothers. We get groups of men together and we've been doing it virtually for the last 18 months. And it's, it's blown me away how much you can achieve virtually. You've done the same. Yeah, yeah. Close, uh, the kind of co connections you can actually have uh, and get to know people to the point where you think that you've known them you know, from childhood. You've never even seen them other than on a screen. So we work with men and get them to tell their stories and just talk about positive, healthy, powerfully good masculinity. And the response has been amazing because there's, there's such a need for that. Wow. So you are a very, very busy person. Um, <laughs> when do you sleep? Um, so I, I, I love what you're talking about in terms of helping men see masculinity positively. And as a mother of boys or young men in their 20s, very I think really really valid conversation you know you just have to drive down some main streets and you see certain adverts from certain brands talking about you know uh, teach your sons to respect women but i have to say that having been uh, you know mother of sons it's it's equally as important for mothers to teach their daughters to respect men. You know, it goes both ways. And I think uh, we, the pendulum does swing, doesn't it? You know, we've gone to the extreme of me too and men are trash and to to toxic masculinity. Yeah. Um, and we need to find that middle ground again because it's a bit like Black Lives Matter. Well, actually all lives matter. Yeah. And we just, we, we shouldn't get too hooked on one portion of society because then everybody else starts feeling excluded as well. But there's a lot to be said for how dads need to show up differently for their sons and for their daughters. And right. you say this so well. Can you share with our listeners what the difference is in the role of a dad for a boy or for a girl child? Well, I mean, you, you talked about it earlier that, that moms play a role uh, in teaching their daughters. And I think the primary role model of any child is their, their same gender parent. You know, a, a young girl looks to her mom to model what it means to be a woman. A dad can't do that. A young boy looks to his father to model what it means to be a man. Uh, his mom cannot do that. So there's this beautiful um, co-creation of society. You, you think about it. You and I exist because years back, we won't talk about how many years back, our parents got together in this creative dance uh, and, and produced us, you know, created us. We were, we were formed out of the masculine and out of the feminine. And I think the world continues to operate well when this dance continues. And, and you know, the conversation you were, the points you were making earlier, we, we kind of live in this either or society, don't we? You know, it's either woman's turn or men's turn. And it's such, it's such a devastatingly wrong thing. It's both and. It's not a zero-sum game. 
You know, let me tell, I'll tell a story from my life. You know, when, when my son Luke turned 13, um, I decided to, to take him away on a, uh, on a weekend with a bunch of mates and we did a, a rites of passage program with him. So we, I got eight of my very close friends, uh, you know, men who I respected, uh, and, and I asked them to bring to the weekend a message that they would like to share and impart to a younger man. Masculinity is imparted by a man to a boy, simple as that. You know, it's an impartation. So if you think about driving a car, you know, you, 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 you can't learn how to drive a car by reading a book or watching YouTube clip. You've got to get in a car with someone who knows how to drive a car, with a, with a driver who's experienced in handling a vehicle. And masculinity is exactly the same. You know, a young boy needs a man who knows how to drive this car of masculinity to teach him how masculinity works. You know, what are the rules of the road? When do you stop? When do you go? Um, how fast can you go? I mean, these are the, we need that. So we took Luke away on this weekend and it was just the most remarkable time. I had eight men and, and they shared with my son, Luke, uh, wisdom of, of masculinity. And we had a beautiful whole bunch of rituals and times. And, and whatever, I asked them, whatever gift you bring, let that gift represent what, what you're wanting to share. And, and it was the most beautiful weekend. But you know, Nikki, what the impact, uh, what, what astounded me was that it had more of an impact on the men who came along than it did on my son. Every one of them uh, said to me, kind of wistfully, some almost teared up. They said, gee, I wish I'd had this growing up, you know? And it's this, so, so the father pitches up to the son in a sense of uh, modeling masculinity to him, validating him as a man. You know, us as men, <laughs> the, the thing we want most from women is not what you think it is. Uh, the thing we want most from women is, is respect. Men crave respect. We crave the sense of knowing that I'm respected and I've got what it takes to be a man. And, and the father is the primary player in bringing that message to his son. It's a crucial, crucial message. Masculinity, validating masculinity so that he grows up with a sense of, I am the man. I don't have to play the man or act the man. I am the man. Um, and, and that leads to a man who knows who he is, uh, is validated in himself and doesn't have to pursue masculinity in all kinds of toxic and crazy ways. When it comes to a daughter, <laughs> a father's his daughter's first, uh, her daughter's first, sorry, his daughter's first romance. Uh, she adores her father. You know, she she needs to be loved by him. She needs to be romanced by him in a beautiful way. He models to her uh, what to expect from a man, uh, and what not to expect from a man, and what not to accept from a man. So he is her, he is her first love. Uh, and so he needs to, uh, by the way, he treats other women, by the way, he treats and responds to the daughter's, his daughter's mother, uh, to show woman that woman, uh, to show her that women are worthy of respect, they're equal, they, uh, they um, you, know, you know, so he models what it means to be a man, and he models to her too, how valuable women are. So Although in the essence, all kids, boys and girls need love, they need security, they need, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a different essence of what uh, a daughter and a son need from a father. And I mean, we could talk at length, but, but I guess, so I'll just tell a quick story about my daughter, if you don't mind. Mm, sure. When I was about two and a half years old, uh, I think you've heard the story. She, um, doctors told us that she'd need an operation on her heart. And, uh, uh, but luckily it wasn't open heart surgery anymore, you know, Modern technology is amazing. It's a catheter that goes into the vein and the groin and it goes up and it pops this device into the heart and it seals the hole. But when we went to surgery, I, I looked into the surgery and it's the theater and it's a scary place. You know, all these doctors and nurses and lab coats and, you know, and I said to the surgeon, do you mind if I take my daughter into surgery, you know, just until she's asleep? 
Uh, and he was very kind. He said, yes, I had to scrub up, wash my hands, put the mask on him. But they allowed me to carry Blight into, into theatre. Uh, and they even allowed me to hold the, the, the gas mask over her face that put her to sleep. So she fell asleep in my arms. And then I handed it over to the, to the doctor. Uh, operation was a great success. When she came out, I was there. Uh, you know, and she was out the next day. But a month later, Nikki, we were at my house having a braai with a bunch of mates. And uh, we were standing in a circle outside on the lawn in my my daughter Blythe was standing next to me, holding onto my ankle, you know, as little girls do. And one of my friends looked down at her and he said, Blythe, I believe you were in hospital recently. And she looked up at him and she said, she said, yes. She said, my heart was broken. She said, uh, but my daddy fixed it. Uh, and I tell you, it was one of the most profound moments in my fatherhood journey. You know, I looked at this little girl. I had to excuse myself. The tears were. And, and I realized I was her hero. I, I was her hero that fixed her heart. You know, she saw me as that. And dads are their daughter's heroes. And, and you know, I realized that I did hold her heart in my hand in many, many ways. And how I treated her and loved her and pitched up for her and presented myself as a man would have a huge impact on her, her life growing up. So, so, yeah, that's a long answer to a short question. <laughs> I, I have a, another question related to that because we live in a world with many shades of gray. Yeah. And when we talk about masculinity, when we talk about uh, – single mothers raising children without a father. How does this play out with the single parent scenario and the fact that we may have a child who is gay? So the single mom issue is huge. And I, you know, I think single moms in South Africa are absolute heroines, aren't they? I mean, they're just carried- Totally undervalued. Undervalued and carried the most unbelievable burden and just done the most phenomenal job. I mean, a single mom who gets up early in the hours and has no financial support from, from the father of her child and uh, who raises, I mean, and there's so many stories. Huh? There's so many stories of just the Craig, Craig, what are we looking at? 64% of South Africa's children do not ha even have their dad's name on their birth certificate. So the fathers have actually been absent since prior to birth. So the mothers have been alone. Um, carrying, carrying the, the, you know, the burden as well as all the joys yeah. of, of being a single parent for <laughs> since time immemorial, really. Uh, it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, it just salutations to them, you know, power to them. I think the key here is, uh, is the village. You know, the African proverb that says it takes a village to raise a child. Uh, boys and girls need both moms and dads. Um, but having said that, uh, often the biological dad is not there. Sometimes the biological mom's not there. And that's not a disaster in the sense that other men can step up to the plate. So, you know, single mom raising a, a boy, uh, their uncles involved, their grandfathers, their male teachers, their coaches. They, you know, there's a village of uh, male older mentors that can get involved in raising and uh, helping the mom to raise kids. And I think we need to do that. That's why I say to South African men that we need to step up and become, you know, one of the six virtues of, a, of an authentic man is he mentors the next generation. He steps up into the gap and becomes a mentor uh, and a father figure to more than just his own kids. And I think we need as, uh, as men to do that, you know, to, to really start becoming mentors. We got, there's such a lack, isn't there? There's such a sad lack of, of good male role models and mentors. You look in business and politics, even in churches, you know, they're, they're the men that are just screwing up monumentally. You know, they're abusing power as opposed to using it well. Uh, and so we, we need to step into that gap. Yeah, or not even showing up at all. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Showing up abusively or not showing up at all. I mean, someone once profoundly said, you know, which is more painful to, to, to have a father that you never knew or to have a father, you know, a father that you never, ever met or a father that you met, but never really knew, you know, 
and, and we get that. A lot of fathers that are there, but they're not there. And that's that's uh, equally devastating to a child. Now, I've watched somebody over the p- past three years uh, who connected me via, uh, you know, the world is very small these days, via Facebook. Yes. She did her DNA test and she didn't know who her father was. And she has spent the last three years tracking through ancestry and connecting with people around the world. And I met her three years ago and she was like a cat on a hot tin roof. She was really kind of uncomfortable in her own skin. And three years later, although he is now has passed on, she has discovered her roots. She has discovered who her father was. And it has made all the difference. She's now connecting with family members who knew him. She proudly showed me these photographs. Uh, There's no photograph of her with her father because clearly he was absent in her life. But just knowing who he was and building up the story of who he was has been so cathartic for her that she she came from somewhere. So we always have this need to know where our roots are, where we began. Uh, It's an important thing. And she's just such a grounded, centered person now, even though she can't actually meet with him because he's no longer here. Right. Yeah, there's a real sense in which a father plays a massive role in in validating the validity and the identity of of a boy and a girl. You know, this is where I come from. This is is who I am Uh, and validating that. uh, And it's a powerful, powerful uh, need in all of us. Uh, hence why people spend so much time and effort trying to, to track down their missing fathers. You know, there, there's a yearning and an aching in the heart for that connection. Uh, and this is where you have to really just shout out to women and say, you know, women are generally present. They're generally present. They're there. I mean, one of the, one of the key differences when you look at male and female, uh, I mean, we substantially, we, there's, there's far more commonalities and differences, but one of the big differences is women tend to be more attracted to and interested in people and relationships and men tend to be more attracted to and interested in gadgets and, and, uh, and action, action, doing. Action. Exactly, yeah. So, so women are, are very much the glue that holds society together. And they're very, very present. Uh, but again, I say, you know, this beautiful dance, the masculine feminine dance is, is what creates a beautiful world. We, we need it. We need both of them. So going back to what I said earlier about, you know, living in an era of shades of gray, yes, of, yes. Uh, you know, people with different sexual orientations, etc. What is, how does, a, how does a dad deal with that? We talk about, you know, showing up uh, with your masculine energy. How does that dance change if, say, your son says, I'm gay? Right. Well, a gay man is still a man. Uh, and um, I often say, I say to dads, you know, we, we must set boundaries on our children's behavior, but we can't set boundaries on their identity. You know, who, who they are is who they are. You know, as a father uh, and as a mom too, our, our job is to help our children uh, read the script that's already written on their hearts. We, we don't write the script for them. So we help them discover who they are. So whoever they are, we, we, we need to pitch up. We need to love them. We need to be, you know, and part of being a good father and a good parent, full stop, mother or father, is seeing, you know, in the book that I wrote um, uh, about, which incorporates the 12 dad verbs, uh, one of the key dad verbs is to see your child. See them. Who are they? Who are they? What are their desires, their passions, their likes? I mean, if you're a Rambo kind of a dad who loves playing rugby and hunting, and you and you have a son who wants to play the piano and do ballet, you've got to see that. You know, you, you can't force your Rambo-ness onto your ballet playing son. You've got to read the script that's on his heart. He wants to play piano, and you've got to love that, validate that, call that out, and give him every opportunity to be that. 
So it doesn't change how you pitch up as a bowler. You, you need to see, love, be present, validate. All the 12 bad words I talk about uh, don't change at all uh, in that situation. Mm. I think probably some of the difficulty parents have is that when you become a parent, you have this I, this picture of what you think parenting should look like, what you think a family should look like. Yeah. And you also are so invested in your hopes and dreams of the idea of a child. And so much damage gets done when you can't really see your child. I talk about three very important questions that children ask us non-verbally every single day. Do you see me? Not just my body, but do you see me, all of me and all of my potential? Do you hear me? Are you hearing words I'm speaking as well as the the spaces between the words, the words I'm unable to say? And am I important to you? Those are three questions that every one of us asks non-verbally of the important people in our lives every day. And children really do need yes, yes, yes answers there in order for their emotional gaps to be filled, which talks very much to what you've been saying here is helping your child to discover who they are, which means that as parents, we also have to let go of our rigid pictures of, of, what we kind of our carefully planned reality because life is going to unfold the way it's going to unfold. Your children are who they are. They need those boundaries, but they also need to be able to express the who. Sure. Um, so important that we lay the foundation and have that bit of flexibility in our own heads. You know, when, when parents come to me and it's often when kids are in their twenties and the mum arrives crying on my doorstep because her son has announced that he is gay. And I have to say to them, it's not their picture that's broken. It's yours. Their picture's whole. It's your picture and your expectation of maybe a white wedding with a man and a woman walking down the aisle. These days, it doesn't even have to be that they can't have children. It can be sorted, organized. You can still have your grandchildren. But it's the initial shock of my picture of what this was going to look like is not this picture. Yeah. Look, I think it's very, 100%, I agree with you. I mean, that's exactly, those three questions are spot on, absolutely spot on. Every parent needs to answer them. Uh, I think it's very important for us as parents to have values, and have principles and have our beliefs. And, and you know, we don't have to compromise on those. Uh, but we do never, but we never, ever stop loving, stop pitching up, stop validating, stop being there. I think those two things are very, very important, you know. Uh, and, and the picture, as long as your child is whole, as long as, you know, and it's more their emotional wholeness um, that, that is very, very important. And we play such a huge role in that. Do they believe in themselves? Do they do they have a healthy sense of worth? Do they have a healthy, are, are they loved and do they love? You know, um, do they sleep well at night? I mean, the, the, the emotional health and well-being and mental health is, is far more important uh, than, than identity. And as long as they do have that, and that's what we must look for. You know, we must look for those, those signs, those flags. You know, are they sad? Are they um, damaging themselves in any way? Are they you know, getting involved in any kind of abuse of uh, substances? You know, those are the kind of red flags we need to look at far more than, than, than the things you mentioned earlier. Uh, and that's important. And that's our role as a parent, to, to produce an environment where they're emotionally, spiritually, physically safe, secure, validated, uh, loved, seen, and important. Mm. So you mentioned your uh, barbershop and your bands of brothers. So you obviously hear a lot of people's life stories yes. in those groups. One of the things that come up most regularly that 
people talk about in terms of their relationship with their father or what they wished for that they didn't get, what was missing for them, or maybe what was the best part of having a dad? I mean, are there, are there any things that really come up on a regular basis? There are. I, I think, you know, a lot of us um, are unaware uh, of what we missed out of because we grew up in a home and, and that is our norm. And, uh, and we're also survivors as people, aren't we? You know, we, we survive and we just make it happen no matter what. So oftentimes, particularly men, carry wounds that they don't even know that they have. You know, they just sucked it up and dealt with it and they thought, I've just got to get on with life. And no, it wasn't that bad, you know. And what, one of the things I do in the Band of Brothers is I get the men to tell their stories uh, and not just their biographical stories, not just where they went to school and grew up, but what are their deepest challenges? What are their deepest pains? What deepest disappointments, greatest struggles? And initially men struggle with that. Um, you always have one or two guys who lead the way. And once they do... Uh, it opens the, the, the floor for everyone else to do the same. And we often have tears and we have an incredible bonding that takes place because the world doesn't provide platforms for men to truly tell their stories. The world, the world says, you know, you've got to be Superman. You've got to hold it together. You've got to be strong. Um, and there's huge pain um, that comes out for, from a lack of fathers. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell a story. I, I dealt with a guy. This was many years. It didn't happen in Bible shops, but a young guy called Brett, um, when I was in, in youth leadership, and this guy was uh, 16 at the time, and he came to me and he, he told the story when he went away on holiday uh, with his family to Port Alfred here, here in South Africa. And um, he, he arrived there and he saw a whole bunch of boys fishing on the side of the Kai River, and he wanted to, he wanted to go fishing. Um, and he had the kind of dad that was there, but not there. You know, very disciplinarian there, but you know, not engaged at all emotionally. So Brett decided to go fishing and he had no idea how to fish. So he went into his mom's sewing kitten. He got a a pin and he bent the pin and he tied a piece of string to the pin and he got a piece of bread and he rolled it up into a bowl and he put it and he sat on the side of the Kaui River trying to fish. Uh, And of course, you can never catch a fish like that. Uh, And uh, he got sadder and sadder by the moment because he didn't have a dad in his life to teach him how to fish. And it's metaphorical too. You know, so many men don't have dads to teach him how to do life, you know, how to how to date a woman, how to love and respect a woman, how to balance your checkbook. And uh, I just, this, this young man, Brett, went on to get involved in drugs and eventually uh, committed suicide, took his own life. But this tragic tale of this boy on the side of a river, not knowing how to fish, trying to fish, wanting to fish. And can you imagine, Nikki, if, if, uh, if an older boy or, or a man came by, he was a fisherman, and he said to, to this young guy, Brett, hey, what are you doing? He said, I'm trying to catch fish. And he sat down and he, un, un, uh, you know, pulled out his fishing equipment and he, and he pulled out a proper hook and he taught Brett how to knock the hook, how to cast in and, and he caught a fish. Can you imagine how different the trajectory of Brett's life could have been with a present engaged father teaching him how to fish, validating him, praising him when he, when he cast his first, uh, when he pulled in that first little minnow and said, well done, my boy. You know, I mean, his life would have been totally different. And it's just the, the validation and the teaching him how to fish. And this is the yearning that we see in so many men, this longing, this, uh, no one taught me how to fish, you know, in various different ways. Um, and it's, it's a very real pain in many, many men's lives. Wow, that is really profound. And I think we, we so often don't use those emotive words like yearning when it comes to men. Yeah, yeah. And you've been there. They are there. And, uh, you know, sharing, sharing heart to heart, you know, for most Men, that is like a very frightening thing to be invited to do. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. They say women bond face to face, men bond shoulder to shoulder, you know, uh, and, and the way to bond with a man is to do stuff with him. Because while you're fishing, then the conversations come out. You know, with my son, Luke, 
you know, with life, it was very different. You know, with Luke, we used to go canoeing and camping. And I mean, whilst doing activities, the most phenomenal conversations came up, you know. With Bice, it's much easier. You sit down and you have a milkshake and it all comes up. You know? <laughs> yeah. but, uh, we need to provide that for men. Yeah, girls are born to talk. Even yeah. then, even then you get uh, talkers, non-talkers, touchers, non-touchers. Yeah, you do. Absolutely. You know, there's so many different communication forms and that's part of learning <clears throat> who your child is and how they operate in the world and how they express themselves. Absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, let's go back uh, for a second to the demand on single mothers and men stepping into that role of being yeah. a male role model for kids who don't have male role models. And I have uh, my boys who lost their dad. Uh, they were 17 and 23, 22 yeah. when my husband was killed. And I know that that's had a profound effect on on my boys and it's not that they don't have other father figures around but what I do find is that even though we have you know great friends around they men also tippy toe around they're not quite sure of how to broach the conversations of you know how to go about this being the not, don't want to say the substitute father but you know, the the um, important male role models in, in children's lives, yeah. uh, both young, both for young children and for older children. What what can other men do? Yeah, Nikki, I mean, it's a huge, huge topic. I think men haven't really grown up being able to have these kind of conversations. You know, we, we've grown up a little bit awkward around emotions uh, and, and, and as a result, haven't been taught the emotional skills to actually go there. Uh, and, and share these things. And I think we need to really start opening up those platforms for men to, to be emotionally, to get permission to, to, to share and talk emotionally. You know, many, uh, four years ago, I had a very close friend of mine commit suicide. And uh, after I, they asked me to conduct the memorial service. And after the service, we, we got together with, with a group of his very close friends. And um, we asked the question of each other, did you know? Did you know that Pete was uh, in such a distressed situation? And, and all of us said, no, we didn't know. We didn't know. And it was such an indictment uh, on us um, and also on Pete in a way because, firstly, he didn't share. And secondly, perhaps we didn't create the environment, uh, the platform, uh, which gave him permission to share. It was a sense that uh, I have to have it together. You know, if you ask me how I am, I'm fine, whereas he wasn't fine at all. So I think as men, we need to shift that. That's, that is a toxic culture. Where, but it's also... Um, it's also a lack of skill. It's a lack of being taught how to and being given permission to, number one, be in touch with your feelings and number two, be able to share the feelings uh, in the sense that vulnerability is actually strength. You know, Had Pete been vulnerable and had we created a platform where he could have been, he'd quite possibly still be alive today because we would have stepped up and done whatever it took, but there wasn't that. So I think there, there's a real, um, you know, and, and it goes back to our either or conversation. <laughs> we try and feminize men to fix them. And that's completely the wrong approach. We need to teach men how to be in touch with their emotions and be able to be vulnerable and still allow them to be men and to be strong and competitive and whatever. Uh, and it's not either or, it's both and. And I think the more we're able to do that. So, so the, the pendulum swinging, as you said earlier, is exactly that. You know, we've had uh, macho men, which can lead to toxic, toxic, toxic men, but then we swing the platform. Now we want men that moisturize and are totally in touch with their feelings and, you know, you know, <laughs> 
but 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 we lose the good of what we used to have. So let's let's have both. Let's have strong competitive men, but who are sensitive and vulnerable and caring. Uh, and and let's let's have both. It's the it's the warrior who's a lover. It's the king who's a servant. I mean, this is what masculinity is. It's, it's a beautiful combination of strengths and vulnerability. Um, you know, they, they say that the, the best generals hate war. They love peace. But they know that in order to maintain peace, they need to be very, very strong. And they need to have a very strong, a very powerful, a very efficient army that can kill if necessary, but at all costs doesn't want to do that. And the reason they have that is so that they can maintain peace. And that's what masculinity is. You know, it's there to be strong and powerful and dangerous, but uh, dangerous in the right way. Dangerous never to women and children uh, or each other. Dangerous in such a sense that we can protect. We can make sure that um, evil doesn't prevail because we're willing to stand up against it. And that's, that's I think, the kind of masculinity we need to grow and promote uh, uh, internationally. Yeah. I talk about the PAPA effect. I have an acronym uh, for uh, fathers, P-A-P-P-A. Yes. And it stands for the first P is present. Be present both emotionally and physically. Yes. Then be available. Yes. Don't be so busy that your kids don't think that you have time for them and you don't care. Be protective. That's the second P. Uh, because fathers really are such a symbol of physical protection and, right. and emotional security. Yes. Be proud. Teach yes. kids to value themselves by valuing and believing in them first. Lovely. And then... Be attentive. So pay attention, listen, talk, share, do uh, whatever it is that you have to do to show that you're paying attention. That right. goes back to the three questions. Do you see me? Do you hear me? Am I important to you? And uh, yeah, Craig, you have, um, we always have really robust conversations and we could carry on talking for days because this is such a big topic. But what struck me about our conversation really has been giving men permission to share emotionally. And you've obviously got these groups going. And uh, just before we end off, if there's any way that people can connect with these groups, I'd love you to share that. I, I love what you said about the fact that what men crave from women is respect. It's not the thing we think that they're craving. It's actually respect. And that we don't need to feminize men to connect with them and to help them to connect with themselves. That's actually the wrong way to go, that we need to be honoring that strength, that competitive nature, the warrior archetype in our men. It's so interesting that we have defaulted. You are so right. We have defaulted to feminizing men in order to control them, I think. Yeah. You know, to control men, we feminize them. Hey. And then we're not happy either. We're still not happy. <laughs> no, 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 no woman wants a tame man. You want a, you want a fierce warrior who's going to be gentle and loving. You know, you want both. Uh, that, that's what's, what's, what's beautiful about masculinity. Completely. Um, and I talk about... Dad's finding the balance between being tough and tender. Yeah, lovely. Our children need to see the tough side of, of dad, but also experience the tender well, side yeah, of dad. And how important the rites of passage um, are for children. And so few parents are aware of the rites of passage. I totally, totally believe in it for both boys and girls um, because it really is the part of the path of self-discovery. And so often we're not being invitational with our children. They need to be compliant, they need to fit the mold, but we don't actually invite them on a journey to self. And 
that really is validation from one human being to another. So I loved your story there. So um, Craig, how do our listeners get hold of you? You've got so much wisdom to share. How do they get hold of you? Where do they find you? How can they join some of your groups if they're interested? Well, welcome to email me, uh, craig at fatheranation.co.za. Uh, and then the, the, there's a, there's, we've got a dad course and some books available on, on the dad coach. It's uh, www.dadcoachonline.com. Um, and you know, very happy to give your 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 listeners and viewers through the work you do just a fifty percent discount on that on that course. Uh, we, we'll share the link. Just uh, we'll, we'll make it Nikki Nikki fifty. Uh, it normally you. normally goes for three hundred and fifty rand, but you know it'll be fifty percent off one seventy five. But uh, feel free to 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 email uh, Craig at Father Nation, and I can share some of the various uh, things that we're doing. Yeah, because you you obviously you've got public groups, you've got private groups, you work with companies as well. I think if anybody's listening, uh, what an amazing thing to add to the inclusivity and diversity side of your business yeah. is to actually create the safe space for men to share. And I think it it <laughs> just what you said: heal men, and you'll heal the world. <laughs> and that is. Just a wonderful way to put it. And I think so much uh, focus. We've got Women's Month coming up in, in August. And I often speak around Women's Day at various organizations. And I'll never forget last, I think it was two years ago when pre-COVID, I was speaking at a, a large company. And there were all these women in the room. And there were a whole bunch of men standing outside, knocking on the door, saying, you know what? We need to be part of the solution. Yeah, yeah exactly. You can't fix this by having a room of women. (laughs) (laughs) And so that, I think, brings us to a good close here where we started off saying it's not an either-or world. It's a both-and world. Women are not more important than men. Men are not more important than women. But we do need to learn how to dance better together. Thank you, Craig. Thank you to our listeners. And uh, I'm so glad we were able to bring you uh, Craig Wilkinson and some of his his, uh, insights. He's got a bank of information, such wide experience in this field. So to our listeners, please send through your comments, questions and topic suggestions to info at nikkibush.com. You're invited to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues to empower them to win at work and life too.